0: Greetings, Bethany Eastside. My name is Scott. I'm lead pastor at Bethany North and the senior lead pastor of Bethany. And I work with your pastor, Pastor Travis. Uh, He is doing a trail run in Central Washington this week. He's invited me to share with you. So this is a word recorded on James chapter three. And I hope it's helpful for you in your discussion groups today. I've sent out some questions for you to discuss on the power of the tongue. I look forward to seeing you all again in person sometime in the weeks or months ahead. But for today, just enjoy this message. It's good to be with you, even virtually. Our text today is based on James 3, and this is our scripture reading. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Will you pray with me now? Lord Jesus, thank you for this hard but true word about the power of our mouth and our speech and the way we communicate. And so God, would you allow us to hear your spirit now um, to encourage and to challenge us to be people following you more closely. We love you, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Well, church, it is our fourth series in the series, uh, fourth sermon in the series. Displaced is our series, and uh, our sermon title today is called "Speak Words of Life." Words of Life. Uh, Many years ago there was that old adage, sticks and stones will break bones, but words will never hurt me, right? And that's foolishness now. Like nobody believes that anymore. Kids understand this more than any of us. It's not being beaten up that kids worry about, it's words and posts and comments and text strings. Words can't break bones, but they break souls. When I was a kid, I was raised not to swear or to curse, and the way we spoke was a big deal in my Baptist home. Just not swearing doesn't quite make you holy, but I was good at watching my words. And so junior high, walking home from Jefferson Middle School, some girls put a big wad of gum in my hair, and they called me fat. And I'll never forget that experience. And I'm walking home with my buddy, and the humiliation and the anger came spilling out of me, and I began to yell and to curse and to cuss, and I'd never erupted like that. But it's like their curses on me caused an eruption of cursing from me. And obviously those words were in me. There was stuff that, was, that kind of was holding on to. But the words of hate generated more hate. Because critical words steal life. The fact of the matter is, we will speak 20% of our life. The average person speaks 7,000 words a day. That's almost 11 million words a year. It's an incredible amount that we'll be communicating. Words now add in texts and ideas and tweets, and it's important to watch the way we communicate. James today, in our practical theologian, he says, no one can tame the tongue, but we should aim to focus our words and our speech and our comments and our convictions in a way that speaks life to people. Like Those with the real faith in Jesus, says James, will speak life. God cares about how we speak. As Brennan Manning says, either you give life to others and your relationships with them, or you drain them of it. And in the life of faith, a faith that displays its love by working for Christ in our actual lives, our speech is the number one indicator of our true belief in Jesus. Jesus, the author of life, wants followers who sound like him it's interesting in James because Jesus is only explicitly named twice, but it's assumed for James. He was the pastor of the Jerusalem church. He's writing to a church now spread out around the Mediterranean because of persecution. And it's like he's saying, you know Jesus. You saw him. You worshiped him. You, you know that he's true. So let's be like him. Let's be Jesus people. And that's the assertion. Like we know Jesus is real, says James. So let's act like that. Jesus would say, words flow from your heart. You can't speak hate if you're grounded in love. Your heart speaks out of your mouth. And so as we dig into James today, I want to kind of unpack these three key assertions, that our words will flow out of humility and not into harm, that our words should flow out of freedom but not into hurt, and third, that our words should flow from obedience but not just about ourselves, So let's unpack this. Let's start number one. Our words should flow from humility, but not into harm. Earlier in James, verse 19 of chapter one, James wrote, this is how you know, my brothers and sisters, every one of you should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to be angry. It's like an important word for us today and it's a struggle. So he'll say here in James 3 verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault, what they say is perfect. And we know only Jesus was perfect. That Greek in verse 2, pateo means to stumble. We all will offend and stumble. We all do it. And that will help us be humble, Because when we think about our language, mistakes will be made, we'll all stumble. Romans 3, 23, we've all fallen short, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. First John, if we say we do not sin, we're deceiving ourselves. So this sermon isn't for your spouse, or for your kids, or for your parents, it's for you. You need to be humble, I need to be humble. This is our story. when Heather and I, my wife's a marriage therapist, when we teach marriage classes, we tell people, no matter how great your relationship you will have conflict. There's no such thing as elimination of conflict. We teach healthy couples how to regulate conflict in the same way. There's no such way to never mistake, um, say a, a mistake or to say bad things. Like we'll all struggle with that. But Jesus is warning us, we should aim to speak life. And then James gives these three similes like horses controlled by a tongue or a ship controlled by a rudder or a forest fire that burns and destroys. Listen now to James 3 verses 3 through 6. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we turn the animal. Or when we take ships as an example, although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Verse five, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a forest is set on fire by a spark. The tongue also is a fire, an evil. It corrupts the whole body. So James is like, he's giving us perfect sermon illustrations, like a fire, like a horse, like, like a rudder, like there's an issue here, James said. We've got to deal with the heart of the issue. The tongue is dangerous when it's not humble. He'll say that in verse five. The tongue is small, but it makes these great boasts. And so James is contrasting the good speech and boasting. And for us as believers, like the lack of humility will underlie much of our mistakes with our words and the way we communicate to the world. Because Christianity is based on authentically following Jesus and becoming like him. Humility will be key trait for followers of Jesus because you're admitting as a follower that you don't know the way. You need a guide. You need a leader. You need a rabbi, someone to lead you. And so we want to follow Jesus and speaking more godly. Think of uh, other places in the scriptures that, to speak like this. Colossians 4. Let your speech always be gracious so that you may know how to answer each person. Or Psalm 141. Set a guard, Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 15, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 21, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Or Jesus in Matthew 12, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. There's more, but you get the point. See, the tongue has this incredible capacity to wound at a distance and leave marks that can be unseen but last for eternity. And so faith and action will require humility, because we always see ourselves not from our uh, impact, but we see ourselves from our intention. I never intended to hurt anyone. I would just speak in the truth, but with humility, we ask, "What are the impact of my words?" I have a lot of examples I could tell you in my own mistakes. Recently, we're building a greenhouse. My wife had this great idea. Don't just order a greenhouse. Buy a bunch of doors and windows and build one. But uh, we don't really know how to do that. So we're standing in our driveway watching YouTube videos, how to build uh, ceiling joists, and we're arguing. And I'm like, not really arguing. I'm just kind of saying the truth. This wasn't my idea, and I don't know what I'm doing. And we're having this argument. But it's certainly not my fault, because I didn't intend to was just being honest. And then as the argument was breaking out, my daughter, who's 17, building it with us, she turns to me and says, Papa, you were being kind of a jerk. See, we can't see ourselves often as we are, and we don't understand the weight of our words. But when we understand there's an impact what we say beyond our intention, through humility, we can speak words of life. Secondly, our words should flow from freedom but not into hurt. Consider 9 through 12 from James 3. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who've also been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, James says, this should not be. Can both fresh and salt water come from the same spring or grapevine bear frigs? No, it should not be. Now this Greek word for cursing, katara, is like a words of evil. It's more than just profanity. Like if you unpack, what is, what is James actually talking about when he's like, what is cursing? It's cynicism or criticism or critique or condescension or control or hatred or gossip cursing is like salty water you can't you can't live on salty water and as followers of jesus we live under the grace of jesus but sometimes our freedom can lead us to hurt others we can become enslaved through our freedom so are we really living into our freedom when we're using words that are enslaving the image of god in others i think not and James is challenging us here. Christ came to set us free from the traps of this world. He came to set us free to live into his truth. And his spirit enables us to live with this new power source to, to do the word. That's what James is saying. like Live a life doing the word through freedom. But freedom without love is anarchy. And love without freedom is slavery. So love and freedom, that's the spirit of God. We have a freedom to talk however we want. But if you're speaking words that are stealing the image of God, the imago day from other humans, you're not practicing freedom. You're living like a slave. And so obedience forms character and obedience forms our discipleship to say, Jesus, help me speak words of life. Jesus said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Luke 6, from the overflow of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. Your heart will be full of what you consume. And so just a practical advice to speaking words of life, you need to consume words of life. Like, what TV shows do you watch? What podcasts? What stories do you read? If you long to be living into the freedom of Christ, to speak words of life, you should be consuming words of God, like godly stories and God's encouragement. I've heard this a lot during the pandemic about our disciples who want to follow Jesus, but they're consuming media or Facebook more than God's word itself. If you want to speak words of life, you'll need to digest Jesus' words more than the world's words. Worship music and scriptures and prayer. This is the fruitful life, the well-watered life. And so James says, can a salty spring bring forth good works? Salty springs cannot produce fresh water. What Jesus promises, I will come and dwell within you and rivers of life will spring out from within you. Good, fresh water. He'll also say, Jesus did in Matthew, you, my people, are the salt of the earth. But he didn't say you are the salt water of the earth. Now salty water is when our freedom distorts the fresh water of Jesus' image in the life of other people. And we need to be consuming that fresh water of the spirit of God and not salty water. I used to run a fishing property up north, and we had two wells on this little property in the island. One was a brackish well, salty, not very deep, only good for washing decks and docks and cleaning fish and another well that was deep and strong and true and there were times where the power would go out and no matter how pad that pump was of our good well and when we stopped having enough water we never ever thought about serving people the salt water from the brackish well you can't live on salty water so thirdly our word should flow from obedience to god and not into this self-empowerment of, I've got something to say. What does God want us to say? In this final section of James 3, James unpacks what a life of wisdom looks like. He'll say in James 3, 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show up by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And then in 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a life of righteousness. So what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to just be quiet always? Is that what James, no, no. Because remember scripture says in Timothy, be prepared to offer a good word, to rebuke and correct and encourage. So wisdom will be needed because words of life will flow from obedience to God and not just empowering ourselves or our own opinions. James says, who is wise? Not the one who speaks the most. It's those who live the good life by humble deeds who are sowing peace. And so that's where wisdom for God's followers will be so key, because words of life, like Jesus, what do you want me to say to this situation, to this person? It's, it's, it's difficult, but if we're waiting for the illumination of the Spirit to help convict us of how to speak into a hard relationship or situation, then we're operating with the wisdom of God. So practical advice for us, church. Let's listen more and pause and invite the Spirit to illuminate how we are to speak, how we are to, to raise our voice towards injustice or to speak out if the image of God is being distorted in others, to stay in relationship. See, the church is called now more than ever to, to speak words of life, to, to speak words of peace, to speak truth but do it in such a way that doesn't destroy the unity of God's people, the unity of the church that we're not called to give up on. And the reality is none of us sees completely. We won't always get all the words right and so we need to speak words of life to people in the church and in our families and with our roommates and our kids and our parents. Like Words of life will, will be needed as we obey God, but may they be spoken in humility, with a hunger to see God flourish in people around us. And if we're speaking words that are destroying others, God wants to change that behavior. He wants to, he wants to subdue that kind of spirit. Many of us carry words of harm that were spoken over us. And if we're honest, many of us also perpetuate those harsh words in the way we speak to others. I'm not speaking to anyone else in the room right now. I'm just speaking to you, friend. Words can heal. Words are powerful. And God wants to restore the way that we speak so that we're hearing him and speaking his words of life into the world. I mean, isn't it incredible? Like, just this week, you might say something to someone else that could be a blessing years from now. Will you speak words of life this week into your home or with your friends or in your church? or Like, will you take that challenge? Like, we're meant to speak life and speak encouragement and speak truth, that the truth is we are formed in the image of God in order to bear witness to him, so let's speak those words this week. Let's, like James is saying, let's live a faith like that. Let's, let's speak language like that. Last week was all about like faith and works. And you don't have to build a house for somebody. You can just speak words of life. And you can't love others if you're tearing them down. And so this week, how do I move towards more words of life? I'm glad you asked. Like just this week, maybe I'll challenge you with these three things, read. Like scripture is important because if you're reading God's words, you'll have God's words in your heart. So read and then reflect. How did my words impact others today? And then act. If you need to say sorry for the way in which you exploded, maybe you say, can I be forgiven to the Lord and to someone else? This is what words of life, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 5. Blessed are those who make peace. They'll be called children of God. Good words will yield, as James says, the good life. Verse 18 Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's what I desire, that harvest. I want the harvest full life, and that my words are informed by God's words. When you stumble, remember verse 2 of chapter 3, we'll all stumble. So go back to the beginning. And say, I want to be a follower of Jesus who speaks life. Jesus, can you set me free to be an encourager? Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt talk come from your mouth, but only as is good for building up others, that it may give grace to those who hear. So who is somebody that spoke life to you? Who is somebody that spoke words recently, or a coach, or a teacher, like as you reflect upon that, Like you are called, church, to be that kind of life truth speaker. Like that's our calling, James is saying. That's the power of the tongue. That is the joy that we get to live in as God's people. Recently, I I fielded a phone call from Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil, and when I found out that Dr. Brenda wanted to talk to me, I'm like, I must be in trouble. Like, I was like scared, you know. And she's like, No, I need to talk to you because Scott, you're, you know, Bethany is working with Dr. Brenda in this cohort of the Ministry of Racial Justice and Reconciliation. So we're in this training, and she said, I need to talk to you. So I. I was a little bit nervous, you know. Dr. Brenda, she's this powerful woman, and did I do something? Oh my goodness, you know. And so we get on the phone, and she says, Scott, I see you at times being fearful of your words. See, you're, you're trying to get the words right, but I see you kind of sitting back. And then this incredible thing happened, because I don't know her all that well, but she started to just speak life over me. She said, Scott, do you remember in 2018 when we prayed before I came to Bethany before an event? I said, yeah. She said, when we prayed, the spirit of God moved and spoke a word over your life to me that you would be used for good in this community. I'm like, trying not to cry on the phone. I'm like, okay, tell me more. This is good. You know, <laughs> It was a word of life. And she just shared what God had shared with her and I carried that with me for a week, church, just believing like, ah, oh, that's who God says I am because she had heard it from the Lord and she passed it on to me. So where do you wanna be a blessing this week? Where's a relationship you wanna restore because there's been harsh words? Where can you be a peacemaker? Where will you speak words of life? We pray with me now. Jesus, thank you so much for this moment to consider these teachings and the warning and encouragement of the power of our tongue. Set us free as your people, God, to speak words of life. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.